podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be an auctioneer at Tattersall's in Newmarket? In this episode, I aim to find out by speaking to young sales organiser and auctioneer, Freddie McKibben. How are you today, Freddie? Very well, thank you, Stephen. I'm looking forward to the podcast ahead. Uh, is it a quiet time for you at the moment? You haven't got a sale until April. Yeah, I mean, we've just had our February sale. Uh, so that's been and gone. So we started the year, uh, as we always do with that February sale. And at the moment, we are, well, we finished inspections for the breeze up sales, which lies ahead in April. Um, we get about 1200 nominations um, for the breeze up sales, which basically are two year old horses that will be galloped up the Roly Mile. And we have to sort these horses out um, once they're eligible for the Craven Breeze Up Sale, where the average is usually around the 115,000 guineas marker to the Guineas Breeze Up, where the average is a bit lower. So, yeah, it's, it's busy at the moment um, sorting that sale. And Tax is such a, a diverse company nowadays. We have online sales. We have a Cheltenham sale. So, yeah, lots, lots and lots going on currently. Well, thanks for that. I'd like to begin by finding out about your career path in racing. Was it a love of racing? Did you like horses or did you did you just want to be on the stage? Well, it's an interesting one. So where I'm at now, auctioneering was never never the dream when I was uh, when I was a kid. Um, my dad is in equine insurance and my grandfather, so my mum's father, was a racing journalist. So that's where the passion stemmed from. My, my dad would be watching the racing on a Saturday and um, you know, me being a, a kid, I didn't want to watch the racing. I wanted to watch the football or the rugby. But one day sat down with him, um, me and my brother, and yeah, got into it and started following the racing most Saturdays. And then that stemmed with speaking about racing with my grandfather, who was still writing. Basically, he wrote for you know the sporting life helped set up the racing post with Bruff Scott and uh and then yeah went on to write a, a monthly piece in the owner breeder and doesn't do that anymore is retired so um yeah they're all different angles um as to why I why I was originally interested in racing and through school continued to follow it follow it very closely and I guess it was almost always my dream to become a trainer and I know most people when they get into racing go oh you know what I'd love to train horses so I I, I started by going down that route and uh, that led me to working a few summers at Willie Jarvis's because um, I was good friends with um, Jane George's children who I went to school with and Jane George's uh, Willie Jarvis's sister so um, yeah started there and that led that led on to basically a year at Simon Crisford's when I left school. Um, so my grandfather knew Simon Crisford. So I asked if I could get a bit of work experience, bearing in mind, I hadn't had any contact with horses previously. I mean, I think back when we were a lot younger, uh, me and my brother had a few riding lessons, which uh, didn't didn't end too well. But um, no, working on the ground there from mucking out, um, mucking out about uh, six to 12 horses a day, and just general care of the racehorse, building up right to um, 
more of a pupil assistant role where I ended up traveling um, with a few of the horses racing and and leading up so yeah it was it was it was great that was my initial sort of exposure to the industry still still in my head you know training was was basically on the cards but I was thinking where's the financial backing coming from there's no yard to come like there's no yard to fall fall on there's um yeah there's little financial backing so yeah, the dream was there but seemed so far away and then yeah, the, the task of actually training horses and getting owners, it all was a bit daunting. So um, uh, Simon Crisford led me on to the Irish National Stud course. He said I should apply for it and and get a, a different perspective of, of the industry um, from a breeding front, from a, a stud front. So I went and did that course. And then uh, after that, went to Australia, worked for Arrowfield Stud. Um, then signed up actually at the Magic Millions. I worked for an insurance company. Um, which basically when a horse was sold at the Magic Million sales, uh, we'd go to that purchaser and they'd basically sign the purchaser confirmation slip and tick whether they'd wanted a fall of hammer insurance. So that was my exposure to an auction house, my first proper dealing in the bloodstock industry there. And um, came back, applied for the Tattersall's internship, just wondering what to do, what step I was to take next. And yeah, then basically snowballed into a full-time job so a lot of experience there um to you know, guide me into to tassels and it was yeah never really an intention to start auctioneering well that was a, a very long answer but i, I kept quiet there because everything came out there uh, freddie but yeah, you know, i know just reflecting reflecting yeah. very steeped in racing then with your family yes more so um you know, not on the hands-on front but um but from yeah journalism point of view and then insurance so I was always I was always I'd say uh, interested because of my of my surroundings now just turning to Tattersall's then founded in 1766 the leading bloodstock uh, auctioneers in Europe uh, can you give listeners a sort of brief run through the various sales you have during a typical year Yes, um, well, yeah, there are an array of sales at Tattersall's that cater toward the thoroughbred. Um, you know, like I say, we started with our February sale this year. Um, it's a mixed sale. It's for breeding stock, horses in training, yearlings. Um, and that goes right through with the breeze ups coming up for two-year-old horses that haven't raced yet. But um, they breeze up the Roly Mile straight and then purchases go on to to choose which horses they think breezed well, did a good time, uh, bred very well. Um, so that, that's two aspects of of sales during the Tattersall's year. We also have the Guineas horse and training sale that comes alongside of that. Um, the July sale, which is a, a, a premier sale in, in July during the July festival. And the August sale and other horses in training sale. So for horses that are racing during the, the summer that you know, trainers want to just pass on. And then um, we lead into our main fixture, which are the yearling sales in October. Um, we'll start off with the Somerville yearling sale in September, but yeah, the October yearling sales uh, are huge sales for year old horses. And we grade these horses into books one, two, three, and four. Uh, book one being the uh, the classy sale, the, the 
they are full of quality, but two, you know, more of a trainer's horse, um, where the average you know, dips slightly, but still very, a very good sale. And book three and four for um, the middle to lower end of the market. So, yeah, these these sales are put on and trainers and owners go and buy these yearlings and are hoping to have uh, good quality runners uh, next year when they turn two and three. So, yeah, that's a, a broad basis of the sales and ending with December, the December yearlings, foals and mares. And we recently uh, had the December mare sale where alcohol free was sold for 5.4 million and the platinum queen as well was there 1.2 million. So yeah, there's an array of sales that cater to each um, each department of the industry, the higher part, the lower part, the mid- middle tier. So yeah. Have you have you got your own highlight? I know didn't you start yourself in an August sale? I did. So um so I've been auctioneering for just over a year now and started in the August sale back in 2021, um, which was yeah, I still remember the first lot I, I sold um one of Alex Haynes's lots. Um so it just feels yeah, it feels like yesterday, but a personal highlight would have been the autumn horses in training sale where I sold I'm a Gambler for Mark and Charlie Johnson and realised 850,000 guineas, which was, um, God, it was it was some adrenaline rush. It wasn't expected. I, I, I thought it may be one of the higher price lots I, I would have sold. But um, when it kicked over 400,000, I was a bit like, OK, when's this going to stop? And I had a I had Red Baron. Um, bidding and I had Nadge Stud come in late. So yeah, the price, the price is a good one. And I think Charlie Johnson was um was stoked to say the least. But yeah, it was a good kick, great kick and you know gave me a real buzz. You mentioned there that horses are sold in guineas. Do you think that that's something's been going on since the beginning really? Do you think that'll ever change? It'll always be guineas. I think that's what makes you know, Tatsil such a unique sales company. So Basically, the guinea, if if people don't know, is um, a pound and five pence. And so Tatsil's charges a 5% commission on lots sold. So say you sell a horse for 100,000 guineas, um, we would take the 5,000 pounds from that guinea because it would be 105,000 pounds. So, yeah, it's it's unique. Basically, the, the seller gets the hammer price. 100,000 guineas will mean that the seller gets the 100,000 pounds and we take the 5,000 as commission. So it's a very, yeah, very unique way of selling. And I think it it is something that I can't see changing at Tattersall's because it's, it's part of our character. I'd like to move on to what you do before a sale, on sale day and after a sale day and uh, set the scene, to set the scene your preparation for a sale, do you, you talked before about grading the horses, do you know the breeding lines well yourself, the new sires, the sires that are doing well? Is that all part of your role? Uh, yes, it is. Um, it's becoming more and more a part of my role. As um as I'm not long at Tassels, well, I'm, you know, around three, three and a half years, um, there's a process where, I've been going out with the likes of Ollie Folston, Harvey Bell, Matt Pryor to inspect horses. So, for example, the, the yearling sales um, will go out and we will 
go to these farms inspecting horses with the pedigrees in front of us so knowing you know which size people are wanting which size are good sales horses um and yeah basically learning confirmation from them so at, right now i'm at the point where i've been able to go out on inspections and give my own opinion um um having done time with those guys so yeah pre pre sale would be inspecting these horses uh, grading them and then um sorting them into sales now horse in training sales uh, um open sales so they're non select sales so anybody can enter a horse into them but yearlings and and breeze up horses we we have a grading system so um yeah prep for that will be getting the pedigrees off grading pedigrees before you go out and grade the actual horse as a as a physical and then um getting back sorting them into sales and yeah, monitoring the the pedigree page so for any updates that happen on the pedigree page they need to be added so that the catalogs as up to date as it can be and um then the catalog will go to print with you know the said catalog and um that will be distributed and will run updates up until the sale because as you know pedigrees are, are very active and horses half brothers and sisters can be running right up until the sale of the the lot in question so it's it's very busy from closing the catalog to getting it to print to then you know, the build up to the sale and come sale day uh, auctioneers will get a list of the lots they're selling so you usually have two to three runs a day uh, consisting of around 15 horses per run and you'll research the pedigree make some notes on what you think of the selling points then once you've done that you'll go and inspect the lot you're selling and um write up any positives you've got to say about their confirmation uh, their physical nature and then finally you'll, you'll speak to the person selling that lot the consigner/vendor and get a feel for how busy the lot's been what they're expecting for the lot um yeah what reserve they're going to put on the lot what they want the the horse to make and by then you should have all the ingredients to try and sell this horse when you get up on the rostrum so yeah you'll be up there behind behind the the first auctioneer waiting for your turn to sell and from then you get on and it's basically what you've put into practice uh, so you really know the horse you really know the horses that you're about to sell when you stand there at the at the rostrum yeah yeah exactly you've got to be prepared and and every horse whether it is a a million guinea horse right down to a, a thousand guinea horse you've you've prepared exactly the same because you're not giving the million guinea horse any more of a chance of selling than you are the the thousand guinea horse it's it's the same situation the same scenario you're trying to sell that horse to the best of your capabilities and what's the thrill like when you're you're up there with your gavel there um especially if if there's a large audience yeah uh, god it is um it's hard to put into words really as you know, i never set out to be an auctioneer and never thought that i'd be doing this so yes yeah, it's, it's just a great buzz you get a lot of adrenaline and as soon as you come off it kind of flashes before your eyes and you just can't wait to get up and have your next stint so yeah, it's hard to describe i guess it's a bit like performing performing in a, a theatre but um yeah, we're yeah you never horses. did drama at school and things like that then yourself well this is the ironic thing we 
at school we had played Alice in Wonderland and um if I remember rightly I I wasn't a major role at all I was one of the dancing lobsters in the background so that was my my drama prowess <laughs> not too promising at school so <laughs> never did I think I'd be up selling and you must have to keep your eyes open for the the bidders although I guess you know the area where they are yes yeah so um before a sale I, I generally speaking would go up and practice in the ring and get to know the locations of where most bidders stand and um yeah then then you've just got to rely on your patter being there and your rhythm that you've practiced and yeah there are lots of things going on at once you're trying to remember the the number you're on remember the bidder you took it from looking for the next bidder trying to remember what the horse i mean we've got notes in front of us but remember what the horse has done the pedigree the sire the the dam so there's lots of lots of things to remember and you're standing up there 15 horses generally speaking takes around sort of 30 minutes so you're there talking non-stop for 30 minutes with all this information going through your head so yeah it's a lot lots to remember and lots to stay focused on so you've got to be pretty sharp whilst you're up there but that's the whole that's the fun of it yeah it must be hectic you must be quite exhausted and almost need a rest when you've had that sort of uh time yeah yeah definitely i mean as i'm a a junior auctioneer i get sort of two two runs three sometimes but um some of the more senior auctioneers who have three to four runs a day and some sales span four days you are running on fumes by the by the last day because it's so intense and um when we're when we're selling in in october for the yearling sales we're also working on the the december mare sale catalog so um You've got to go up, sell horses, and then go back down to the office, make sure the catalogue's looking good for the December mare sale. So, there's, yeah, there's lots going on. A sale day is a very busy day. And you mentioned uh, Alcohol Free, who sold for, well, she sold for 5.4 million in yes. December. Uh, were you in the ring? I know you weren't the, the auctioneer, but were you in the ring at that time? Because the, the tension must have been, well, so electric. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, she was the the speaking horse of the December mare sale. So the anticipation, the anticipation for her to get close to Marsha's record was definitely there. Um, so yeah, I was I was upstairs, um, right above the auctioneer. I know I was speaking to Ollie Falston before it, about the sale, and I just you know, couldn't imagine what it was like to be in his shoes, knowing that this you know, horse was very valuable and potentially going to top the sale and yeah having to having to get the business done so yeah it was it was amazing it was it was brilliant to be in the ring and witness an atmosphere like it I mean you know only the only other atmosphere that you can relate to it was Marsha back in um back in 2017 I want to say yeah back in 2017 it must be so quiet where the auctioneer is really the only one then actually saying anything apart from the the gasp from the crowd Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could literally hear a pin drop. Everybody zoned in to the auctioneer and, and the, the horse selling. And that, that evening it was alcohol free. And it was great that it was the first edition of the Scepter sessions, which um, we'd introduced to the, the mayor sale, which was basically two sessions on the uh, Monday and Tuesday for the highest quality 
fillies in and out of training a mess. So yeah, it was great to have alcohol free there to to top it. You mentioned that uh, Tattersalls have other sales that they have them at at Ascot and at Cheltenham. Do you ever get to watch them? And and as an auctioneer, do you learn from other auctioneers how they operate? Yes. Yeah, so Ascot is Ascot has been a place where I I started off auctioneering. So after I got my first run out in Newmarket, um, I went to Ascot uh, for a few few sales and and that's where you get to really practice and hone in on your skills and and listen to other auctioneers because Park Paddocks, the sale, the sales ring at Tassels is huge. And you go somewhere like Ascot where it's a lot smaller, a lot more personal. Um, you know, you've got yeah, a larger, a larger I wouldn't say quantity of people. You've got a smaller quantity of people, um, but the focus really is on the auctioneer there. Whereas I, I feel like in Newmarket, you've got such a, a big sales ring and lots happening that um, that it can all happen a bit quickly. So yeah, you, you get to listen to lots of auctioneers at Ascot, at Cheltenham, um, at Newmarket, and you do pick up on sayings that um, other auctioneers make and you think, oh, that might work quite well when I'm next selling and you make notes and yeah you're learning all the time and I'm far from the finished article and I've got a lot more to work on and learn and and progress on but um it's great hearing a different variety of auctioneers where you can try and uh try and hone in you know, on some of your skills and what's your role after sale day it looks like you're working on the next one and the next one yeah exactly it's just it's it's um it's basically moving on to the next sale i also i'm also uh sort of involved with stabling sales as well so horses that are entered we've got around 850 usable stables uh, on our park paddocks grounds where the horses are stable for sale so it's slotting horses into those stables and making sure consigners are uh together so that's a big part of my job as well um, especially when you have horses, you know, you know, catalogues of 1,600 horses with only 850 usable stables, we have to double stand a few. So it's logistics on that front that can prove quite challenging sometimes, but when it all fits, it, it, it is quite rewarding. Yeah, it really is like being a hotel for horses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're housing these horses and yeah, we have to make it work for them. Otherwise, you get complaints. <laughs> And working in Newmarket, do you get to go to the races yourself? Yes, yeah. Um, so I would uh, I would go racing at Newmarket as often as I can. Um, you know, love going to the Guineas Festival. We'll pop up for the Craven meeting, and we have our Craven Breeze up sale um, uh, two evenings after the Craven meeting. So that's always good. And yeah, I'm, I'm an avid race goer. I follow National Hunt. Uh, just as much as I follow flat so I'd be uh trying to attend Cheltenham we have a we have a Cheltenham festival sale on the Thursday after racing there so um so yeah I'll, I'll get to Cheltenham and yeah just a, a big racing advocate that um you know, when I'm not playing rugby or playing any sport I'll I'll definitely definitely head up to the races when you look at the race card do you look at it and think oh I sold that horse or I know the breeding well of that horse yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, they're always it's always quite exciting following a horse that you've sold um, for 
quite a bit of money that you like during the, the during the sale. And um, an example of that would be Crypto Force, the the Beresford Stakes winner. Um, he's a Guineas Breeze Up graduate that I was fortunate enough to sell for 160,000 guineas. Um, so it was great following him last year uh, in his two-year-old campaign. And I think he's now with John Gosden in Newmarket. And um, um, yeah, it'll be great to follow him this season, see, see where he ends up. And it's, it's always a, a good buzz when they win and you, you follow them and you have that different angle. You said you play rugby. Who do you play for and what's your position? Uh, currently play for Newmarket Rugby Club, um, which is which is great fun. Uh, I play number ten there, and I've stepped in as captain this season as um as our club captain's been injured. So it's um great to uh, have taken up the baton from him, and we're currently sitting fourth in our in our league. It's um the Eastern Counties Two League, and uh, you know, we we would have been in with a chance of promotion, but. You know, a few things haven't gone our way this season. Um, but yeah, we've come off the back of a, a win at the weekend. And I think that's our, our fourth win in a row after Christmas. So two two league games left. And um, I think hopefully next year we'll be in in chance with a, a shot at promotion into the league above. But um, we're always, yeah, Newmarket is such a, a great club to be a part of. And it's, it is a release. There's a big Tattersall's presence at the club. Um, Harvey Bell plays there as well as Ed Rudge um, so two of my Tattersall's colleagues and and Johnny Brown another colleague has his sons playing there so there's a real local community sense with Newmarket um, we're always looking to try and grab a few more players but um, yeah it's, it's good it's a good release and I played quite a bit of rugby at, at, at school level and played for Northampton Saints Academy when I was when I was younger to till under 18 um unfortunately didn't get a contract with with them but um this is a great way to carry on my rugby whilst you know, um continuing a path in in racing well as long as we don't see an auctioneer with a black eye there um uh, during the yeah, I know, sales, yeah yeah last last february was quite interesting i i i got knocked out and concussed just before the february sale so um so i had to take it easy during that february sale i I was a, a null and void, pretty much. So um, that's always the danger. But no, luckily it's not not to a level where we're we're playing big, big fellas. <laughs> and the future, where where do you see yourself going at Tattersalls? Um, well, hopefully getting out on more inspections and and having more of a say with horses we um we have in the, the yearling sales and the breeze up sales. So that's going to be a goal to um to definitely go out on inspections and um yeah, the ultimate goal will be to sell at the the premier sales so book one um book one and yeah, the sector sessions of the december mayor sale that's um yeah, the the future looking at the future that's hopefully what it holds so um yeah lots to lots to look forward to and just improving my knowledge really but i'm um, no i'm enjoying i'm enjoying where i am at the minute and and yeah, taking everything in my stride. Well, your passion for your job really comes through. Thank you very much for joining us on the paddock and the pavilion. Best of luck for the the next sale, the Craven Breeze Up sales, and for the rest of the sales at Park Paddocks during 2023. Thank you, Stephen. Oh, been a pleasure. And um, look forward to maybe chatting with you again in the future. Thank you for listening to the Paddock and the Pavilion. 
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.